everybody, welcome to Time of the Month again. Yes, it's that wonderful time when, as a girl, I hated the time of the month. It was just a nightmare. But as a, a grown woman, mature, past the age of that time of the month, I love these sessions that we have. I'm happy to welcome Laura. My Hello. My fellow criminal. <laughs> yes. Because some people aren't awfully, awfully keen on promoting women, but we'll, we'll, not, we'll not even give them the the space in our heads. And uh, I want to say a very warm welcome also to Kay Gardner, who's joining us this week. Kay, hello and welcome. Well, hello. Yes, it's, it's lovely to be invited. I've been listening to everyone since you started, so it's a treat. <laughs> and we're going to learn a wee bit about you. Um, but I want to ask Laura first, how's your week or how's your month been, my dear, since last we spoke? Well, I've been enjoying it. I have been enjoying the sunshine. It's been really lovely to be getting uh, a bit of heat. Um, though I am, I seem to have been stung um, quite badly. My leg has all swollen up um, and I'm feeling a wee bit queasy. Um, but I'm just taking this as like, you know, one of these things. It's summertime and... Um, I'd rather be outside and getting stung than being stuck in the house. <laughs> well, I understand that, but you know what? If it's not cleared up in a couple of days, go and get something. Go and get the pharmacist or the doctor to look at it. Take a photograph and put it on the internet and let's, let's have people's wisdom. <laughs> well, we just... do you know, it's like my mum, right? It's, it's, an, a, it's a joke in my family that um, whatever is wrong with you, whatever the ailment, uh, aloe vera will help so when I had said um, oh I have you know I've stung myself my mum's like oh um, have you put aloe vera on and I'm like <laughs> I've put aloe vera on I have like you know smothered it in aloe vera it's like we all joke about it we know that's what my mum's going to say before she even says it <laughs> my sister she always says put a beetroot poultice on it but uh, I don't think that would ever work. Oh, well, see, a poultice was my, my granny's always go to. That mm. was something that I knew how to do when I was a wee girl. The old ways. For the stuff, I. I think aloe vera and a beetroot poultice has to be better than some of the chemicals they give us to put into our bodies. Oh, I know, I know. Well, like, I've been up at the up at the, the horses, you know, when I've been, because the weather's been so bad for the, for the flies and these big, dirty clegs you know just with the, the heat and all that and the, the horses have been struggling with it and I thought right I need to get I had made up like a kind of um you know essential oils mix yes I wasn't really doing the trick so I had to go and get the you know the heavy duty stuff um and the, that seems to be working but it does have this really strong chemical smell um oh, but it's really keeping good. them away well I suppose it's uh if it, if it works in the, the long run, I suppose you have to do what you have to do. Aye. So what have okay. you been up to, Linda? Me? What have I been up? Not a whole lot. I've just been uh, nose to the grindstone, um, dreaming dreams and having great imagination sessions in my own little tiny world of my own, my own head. And not speaking them out yet because I don't want to. I mean, I'm only new here. And when they get to know me, they'll, re they'll realise that my head's mince and I have a thousand ideas a, a day and... Most of them are, are just rubbish, but there'll be one in there at some point. So um, I'm disguising my overactive imagination um, and holding fast and saying nothing for a while. 
Um, we're, we're going through a hard time up in our presbytery. We have to lose seven ministers out of mm. 17 um, and buildings have to close. And in this rural community, I have three congregations well, and well, three buildings, two congregations. And my colleague across the, the way has three, three buildings and two congregations. So it's just, we have to close buildings. And whether we like it or not, people have invested themselves in the buildings mm. and th there's going to be sorrow and heartache and pain. And we just have to hope and pray that God's grace will, will surround us all. And we'll just try and help people to wallow in God's love like a great big hippopotamus wallows in the mud. But it doesn't come natural to us, you know. So thanks for asking. Okay, enough of me. Tell me, you are uh, pro you're entering probation, aren't you? So that means you've just graduated from Glasgow University with your degree in ministry. That's right. Oh, so that's where um, I first met Laura. We started university in the first day, but Laura was like, had brains coming out of her ears. So she was getting fast tracked through the system. So <laughs> I was getting a bit longer. So I'm just kind of getting through that process now. So um, yeah, just graduated and you could start probation at um, the 1st of August. So that'll be exciting. Looking forward to that. So Tell I'm doing. Where you're going. Well, I'm going to St. Rollocks at Springburn. So very excited about that placement. Um, I had a meeting with the, my supervisor a, a month or so back. So I'm really excited and ready to get going. But at the moment, I'm actually doing a locum just along the road from there at Bishop Briggs at Kenmuir Church. I know Kenmuir Church well. Oh. There. oh, the people are just the loveliest people. I get a lovely surprise today of a beautiful bouquet of flowers and a an Amazon voucher for my graduation and everything. And I had just graduated and I was too busy to, to yeah. acknowledge it, you know, the way things are this year. So it was really lovely because they made me stop and actually appreciate what had just happened today. So they're beautiful people and it's going to be so hard to leave them. But that's the problem, isn't it? We're sent in to love people. And the minute we really start to take them into our hearts, we get asked to move on and it's really it's, difficult. It's better to leave somewhere wishing you could stay than to have to say <laughs> somewhere wishing you could leave. <laughs> and that's the truth in ministry. Um, when, when you go to Rollocks, oh, you're in for a treat there. The cultural diversity is incredible. Um, I've been there a couple of times and they're just wonderful. I, I was around the corner from them in Postle Park. And in our congregation, we had loads of cultural diversity. It just is so enriching in every area of life. I just, I can't believe how God has just put everything in place to get me to this point. Because I had my summer placement two years ago out in Zambia oh, with the Church of Scotland. So I was 10 weeks out in Zambia, which was amazing. And then um, this year at university, I've actually been studying a lot about um, different cultural backgrounds. I was doing child law. Um, so, uh, the, and I just feel as if God all the time has been putting things in place and starting to prepare me, but I'm really looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be wonderful. So, well, so good. good for you. You're standing on the shoulders of many, many wonderful people who have gone before you in ministry and people who are all around you. You're part of a, a great cloud of witnesses. So you're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it also with lots and lots of women who are standing with you and men. Um, and speaking of women, our, our woman this month is lovely Lydia. So what do we know about Lydia? Let's have a blather. You know, it's, it's, it's two verses, two or three verses she's referred to in the I Bible. And it's uh, incredible. 
So and it really is incredible, isn't it? It that, is. Um, just from this really, really short wee passage, actually, there is so much richness, and it's uh, mm. and to think actually that the influence that this woman probably has had on yeah. a whole community as uh, as astounding. It's um, oh, it's just so exciting <laughs> so for our listeners folks if you want to read about Lydia go to Acts chapter 16 you, I think you, she's first mentioned in verse 11 and then verse 14 and 15 mm-hmm. and then um, you may want to take a wee look at that as we're talking or maybe Laura do you want to tell us a story of Lydia sorry well, you're on the spot well well very quickly right so I will really try hard people not to go I'll start already on a, that's uh, I will try my best so what had happened was um, Paul was going on a, um, a new journey um, and he was um, in a vision. He was um, told to go to Macedonia. He went to Macedonia and he came to Philippi um, and there he stayed for a few days and he found that actually... Um, that there was women meeting for prayer down by the river he was going to pray he spoke to them and one of these women was Lydia who was a dealer um, in purple cloth um, and she was a worshipper of God Um, so she was a worshipper of God but when she heard Paul's message of the good news she gave her heart to Jesus the Lord he'd opened her up (laughs) doesn't say that in the, the, the version I read. She didn't give her heart to Jesus. Well, she heard read, all about the good news, Linda. She heard all about the good news of Jesus. That's how she she realised that there was more to God than just what she had already been, uh, she'd already thought. Let's uh, not use jargon. Let's use everyday language. Give yeah. your heart to Jesus. Here it is. Have some salt and pepper and some curry sauce with it. Come on, let's The Holy Spirit opened up her heart. Right, that's the a bit The Holy Spirit opened up her heart. And then she, um, so then she was baptised. Our whole household was baptised. And um, she was, uh, if you can say, she then invited Paul to um, stay, to come and stay with her in her house. And she uh, persuaded them to stay. And then whenever uh, Paul and Silas uh, came out of prison, um, when they came out of prison, um, she welcomed them back with, and they stayed there as well. So it's uh, a lot was happening. Yeah, an awful lot happening. Okay, is there anything about this story that jumps out and grabs you by the throat? Well, it's really interesting actually because when I was uh, I was looking at it, she's not she's that's not where she was born and brought up. So she's came to there um, for the purpose, possibly of her business. Um, it was maybe a good place to be actually in business. But I'm really intrigued with her story because I think for all of us, God takes us on a journey to get us to the point of time where we get to the point where we do hear about Jesus. And whatever has happened for her up till this day, she has been on a huge journey. And something that I was reading, which I didn't realise, was um, there's a place that she was named after. Um, and so what... what 
what I believe is the culture is if you were a slave, you actually get called after the place where, where you're kept type thing. And I found that so intriguing because I thought to go from if she was a slave, which would to me explain perhaps the, the immediate passion that she has, because that's what I've seen when I read this. I feel as if she just responded so quickly, you know, she was like, it was as if as soon as Paul was speaking to her, she responded. But I, in my own journey, um, I think you have to go through certain things in life where difficulties and things. So I'm re I was really intrigued. I would love to more, know more about her if she was a slave and how, I know that, that after a duration of time, you could be released and become a free person. So, but how did she get from having nothing and being actually owned by someone to actually becoming this amazing woman who had a really, I mean, not just an ordinary business, but a very lush business because this purple cloth was, um, it was actually, I think it was a deep red and it was only wore by the, the very elite the, the emperors and the, so you can think to go from that, she's been in some journey, but I can't help but think it, God was taking her on that journey so that she got to the day where she was sitting at the river to hear what Paul had to say. Because as, as Laura pointed out, it was when Paul was actually told in a vision that that's where he had to go to, he was led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking God was just saying, off you go and see Lydia. I've got a purpose for her, so it's as much Lydia's got a calling on her life. So I was I was just blown away with it because I believe that she was the first European to be converted. She was the first person. Right, so let me put in there because you're going to go off on a wee tangent here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the devil's advocate. created a whole big story that all we have is the text and you've imposed a whole big story on that name Lydia. And some scholars say, yes, she might have been a slave, but other scholars say, no, there's not enough evidence to suggest that. And she's simply a nameless person who's named Lydia because that, they knew that's where she came from. So, listeners, text without context becomes pretext. I'm saying that to you again because it's really important. And, and I love that you've created a story around it because I, I do that myself. I think we all do it. But there, there might be another side of it. It might be that she was a widow. It might be that her husband was the, the businessman and he died young. Or some scholars say she might have been divorced and she got the best deal in the, the divorce settlement. Um, so so let's, let's, um, let's look for alternative uh, for more than one, one story. Because then you're also then going to impose a whole big identity upon God by doing that. Because you're saying God, God called Paul so that Lydia could be converted. Um, and, 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 and we just need to be really wise about how we use scripture and not, and not limit who God is. Because I think, I, I was thinking about Paul as well. How many times did she hear him speak? And she, she may have heard him speak in the public market um, when he first came to Philippi. She may have heard him speak several times because, of course, down by the river, it was, I think it was the Greek word prosuko. Um, it's like the little church or the the, the Jewish version of the synagogue or of the church where there was no men, you need 10 men for a quorum. 
so that you can set up a proper, a big, be identified as a proper surgeon. Yeah, I had uh, read that. I so and it because I had seen as well that actually it could have been that. And I know that there's, there's so much like kind of like surmising, you know, because I had, you know, some of the reading that I had like, you know, some of the commentaries that I read had kind of yeah. suggested that, you know, she was going down for these kind of prayer meetings, you know, with these, you know, with these. Yeah, but that, that's what they did. It goes back uh, to the days of Joshua. When if there wasn't enough, if there weren't 10 men, you could, the women could go and have their time of worship. And the idea, I mean, she was clearly Greek because she came from, well, Thyatira, which is in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And so she was living in Philippi, which is a Roman colony. So she would have been very Romanized, Hellenized. Mm -hmm. But she was considered a God-fearer, which is why she went to the river. Because um, uh -huh. it's that way, you don't know if she's like been a, you know, con of converted, you know, um, you know, well. She hadn't, I don't think there's enough evidence to suggest she converted to Judaism, mm -hmm. but she was what many women were called a God-fearer. Mm -hmm. And you see that throughout well, the Acts of the Apostles and, and you see that with, with uh, Jesus's interaction. But it's it's great that we can create stories around people, but let's, let's, uh, Look at all the stories, the possible stories. And Linda always keeps us right, does it? She always keeps us right. Oh, all right, sorry, I'm not. I'm not she initially started making up stories herself here, Laura. Did you know? There's more than one story. And what we have is the text. Uh -huh. So we look at the text and then we can weave around it. But but let's not let's try not to. Because is that not what the whole problem is in the Gospels with the, with, with the Pharisees and the disciples and the whole, everybody who didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, they had this whole story of who the Messiah should be. And so they couldn't recognize the true Messiah because their, their own expectations were way off beam. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that we have to be aware of when we're- what, What's really there. wonderful in this story is, is actually how actually things you know it's as if like god does use things you know he kind of place things in people where he wants them to be he kind of like you know maybe spark something you know and it is um because i don't think paul necessarily wanted to come to this area yeah, thank um, you. and he's okay. been directed to um come to this um you know come to this area and mm. then it's a uh, and Lydia, she does respond so powerfully, you know, to what she hears. You yeah. know, the Lord opens up, you know, through the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, she's just so open. And then it's like she's she becomes baptised. And, oh, and you can just, it's just so exciting, you know. But then also it's, the, it's what gets me about Lydia as well is this, like, this generosity of spirit. And this like extreme hospitality, um, she reminds me actually of um, a Muslim friend of mine who is um, a successful woman. Um, you know, she um, teaches as well in, um, in, in the mosque, you know, the children and the young women. And also her hospitality is, oh, is, she just is so welcoming and, it's, and you just feel like loved in her presence and you feel this, you know, the spirit of God around her. And that's who Lydia reminds me of. It's interesting, I find, that she didn't have a male relative. Mm -hmm. That she had to be um, 
checking out, is this okay with her father or with her husband? Is it okay if I invite these men to stay with us? I mean, we know there was Silas, Paul, Luke, possibly some others. So she must have had a big house and servants and all her, servant, her household was baptized with her. So again, it's emphasizing her status in that community. She was well off. I mean, the purple, Kay, you so wonderfully explained about the, the purple being used for the, the emperors and uh, royals around the world. But this purple in Philippi that she dealt with, it was called, I think it was called Trion, I've written it down somewhere. Uh, Trion, and there's another kind of purple that comes from the matter plant, which is what Thyatira is famous for. But the purple she was doing came from mollusks. Now, it, there wouldn't be any Jews diving for mollusks because they're shellfish. So she would have a whole market there that she could tap into. So the, the purple that she was doing was, a, 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 I think it was a bit more expensive. So obviously she was very, very wealthy. Um, and I think it's just incredible. Um, you're talking about God opening her heart. And I, I love that, but I have a big question that perhaps you two can help me with. Why would God open her heart and not open other people's hearts? It was her time, Linda. It was her time. That day was the time that God had set up aside. See, I totally, if I read this text, I totally see God's hand upon Linda. Lydia, I mean, when she's coming to that point in time. And it, God does that all the time. You see it happening all the time because the, the other thing I was seeing in this text, I'm imagining how many Lydia's is there that, uh, that don't want to be worshipping the goddesses and the gods that other people in this world are worshipping just now. That God's taking them to a point where they are looking for, they are God's fearing. But all they're needing is like someone to come and sit alongside them where they are and speak the name of Jesus into their hearts. Because I, I just think God has it creates opportunities for us that sometimes we miss. And that's I, that was my hope today. When I was sitting looking at this text again today and I'm thinking, well, we don't know who's going to be hearing this going out. And my, 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 my hope and my prayer is today is that when we speak the name of Jesus, that people, God has prepared people's hearts, just this is their time. They, they're going to realise that, like, that that is what God has been doing all the way through their life. He has just been taking them to this point in time to hear the name of Jesus been spoken into their hearts because there's nothing like it. Great. It's a lovely response. Thank you. Aye, it's same. I, I, I think, um, and I think as well, it's like God's, you. I think he's prepared, like he's using Lydia as well, because like, if you think right away, you know, she gets baptised and then her household are getting baptised. And then you think, well, how many other people then is she going to go and influence? How many other people is she going to be like, you know, be like Paul and go and like, you know, share the good news and uh, bring more people? Um, and if you think how how she's made her home open right away to Paul, like who else is she going to invite in? You know, that that's... Uh, you think, oh, she's, it's like an open house, isn't it? It's an open, an open door and she's in, you know, and you just think. I suppose it's the first church, isn't it, in Philippi? Mm -hmm. And she's, she's a leader. And it's curious to me why there's no, 
um, no creditation, no no credit given to her as the the leader of the church. And uh, again, it's, I think that's down to the editing of scripture. I think so. I, I I would say so because that's it. That same, just you you you're getting the you're getting a sense of the character of this woman, the kind of strength in her yes. and the and her faith and your. But it's as if then it's like, all right, we've got a wee bit here, but I think that's it. We, we won't dwell on that. If you're running your own business and you have a household of servants, you can't be daft. You know, you have to be an intelligent person who's got real leadership skills. Mm. And and then I think, again, I was looking in the, the Greek word, it was clear that she wasn't doing the menial tasks, uh, getting her hands dirty, literally. She was she was the boss lady. Um, and I, I love that, you know, I'm not, I'm rubbish at Greek, um, but I love that the, the Greek text offers us a wee bit more insight and helps us, just clarifies things for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just wonderful, you know. Mm-hmm. And the so, thing as well is, is um, what gets me is, is, you know, our faith, you know, so she's got faith in God, but also she's got faith in the goodness, uh, like Paul and Silas, because when they're released from prison, they go straight to her house. You know, they go straight to mm-hmm. her. And you think, you know, it's, she's not long knowing them. Um, you don't know that. Well, you don't know how long they were there. You don't know how long they were there, as I said earlier, preaching the good news before she she decided to, you know, her heart was opened by God and she decided to, to take the opportunity. And, and we don't know, and this is the beauty of the, the text. We read this, especially especially when we're in Mark's cross, where everything happens really quickly. But we read as if it's, because we know it's already happened, but we don't know what the timing of it all was. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, Linda. The idea I, that mm-hmm. she sat under the teaching of Paul for, for months, he developed her and teach, teached her, <laughs> taught her and trained her and equipped her to be a leader because you know one of my when, when he leaves to go on his next journey or the next step of his journey um he knows it's the church there is in good hands the philippine jailer was there mm-hmm. you know and and all the people maybe in the jail and around the jail when the earthquake happened so i mean it seems to me that he, he must have equipped lydia um in terms of spiritual knowledge and growth um, as opposed to the, the organisational side of a, of, of a church. See, I've seen that as a hunger in her, um, because like, I thought as soon as she was converted, she had such boldness and, like, you know, it was immediate, wasn't it? Straight away being baptised. I was thinking how different it can be for people these days. You know, we don't exactly immediately baptise people. They have to go through classes and, and be assessed. <laughs> but I think we should go back to that, just baptise people in the name of Jesus, generally. <laughs> we, we weren't working on the premise that Jesus was coming soon. I once said to my professor at Glasgow, John Barclay, if Paul was wrong about the imminent return of Christ Jesus, what else was he wrong about? And he, he looked at me and his face turned three shades of green. And then he said, nothing. <laughs> he said, nothing. He was right about everything else. But again, so we don't, we don't know. I did. I just seen like when she was inviting them to house, and I think that was just a, a instant response to the spirit, you know, this hospitality. But I also see that she was hungry for the scripture because I know what I was like when I was converted. I couldn't wait to get into scripture. I just was had this hunger, and that's what I seen in the text. With that, I thought she's invited them back. She's not been daft. She's wanting to know everything they know. Like, tell me, fill me, equip me, because like she does want to sh- to share the news. So I. 
yeah. I see that as a real hunger in her. It's beautiful. What do you think happens to us if that hunger dies down? It doesn't, does it? Oh. I think for it, some. It does for some, I think. Yeah. See, this is where I think being part of a, being part of a really encouraging community of faith, you know, having you know, having, you know, Christian mentors and friends that, you know, help sustain us and grow us. Um, because I think sometimes what can happen is, is, you know, we can we can get quite into kind of living out our faith, um, you know, and we go and do, you know, we're going to do things, you know, I, we're, we're showing our love, you know, we're showing our love of God and Jesus and, oh, we're helping people. But we don't always spend time nourishing ourselves mm. you know dwelling in the words you know sitting in prayer being really guided by the lord um and i think that's what it's like being able to like you know and like what paul does you know paul had a plan but he paid attention to to the vision he had right well that's god wants me to do something different now you know mm. god's taking me somewhere else and paying attention to that. but the most important thing and i think that and I know it's not there in the text, but I imagine that what Lydia creates is, is actually a community that's loving and, you know, nourishes each other. Mm -hmm. And that is what we need. And a lot of your churches, I think, are maybe lacking in that. You know, it's like you need this, you need folk to keep you, you know, asking you, what have you been reading? You know, and oh, tell me about, you know, and this is what I would like to think that this um, podcast is like, because it's really great because we can have, you know, we can have a laugh together, we can, but we challenge each other as well and we really look into things and, you know, and that's, I would hope that the people that are listening um, are like going, I'm going to check that out, you know, I'm going to go and look into that with, you know, is that right what they're saying, you know, actually, and, but this is what we need you know, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, it's all about the community of faith and and who we are in that community. And I think that in our culture, we have valued doing over being. We have valued getting busy for God rather than resting in the spirit of God. And um, I mean resting, I don't mean having a wee nap, but I mean dwelling, I mean being silent and offering our, ourselves um, to commune with God. And I think that that's one of the biggest errors we make, especially in the Church of Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we ministers, we have our, our part to play in that, you know, to, to encourage people not to simply be doers, but to actually dwell, rest, um, absorb, and simply acknowledge and then work on strengthening our union with Christ Jesus. It's really, really something that we don't do awfully, awfully well. Mm -hmm. It's one one another, isn't it? Because I think it's like that you could do maybe get communities of faith that are all about doing, and you got other ones that are very good at studying the word. But it's studying the word and saying what is God actually asking me to do through this, isn't it? So it's actually it's a balance because that's what I see in Lydia in this text. Is she she is wanting to sit with like Paul and learn and, and be fed. But she, she's also doing as well. There's that instant response. So I think that's where we need to be with our communities is, 
is expecting, um, you know, saying, right, when we're opening this text in church, it's not just a case of sitting back and enjoying the sermon and then thinking that was nice, that was it for another week. We should really be thinking, how does this apply in the week ahead, you know, and, and then coming back the next week, desperate to hear what we're going to be doing this week and through what we've heard. So it's well, building that passion. Yeah, sorry. One of the things that um, my spiritual accompanier challenged me on was to stop reading other books, other by theologians and uh, biblical scholars, and stop reading scripture for a season and simply sit in silence and allow God to speak to me, to give me my voice. And I found that very, very difficult, but of Obviously, I've picked up reading scripture again and, and reading others. But for that season, I found it very, very hard to simply allow God to touch me and transform my thinking. But I, I still hold the silence and I still, um, because it's easier to look at other people's work and to hear the minister um, rather than to say, God, here I am. Um, I'm willing to receive from you for me, for others. And uh, I would challenge both of you as you're young in your ministry to, to, to think about that and ponder that. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things, sorry, I'm jumping again. Um, I have a grasshopper brain. One of the things that I love about Lydia is that she was a pioneer. But one of the things I loathe is that she was pushed to the margins um, in our scripture. Mm. Um, this pioneer, this, as you said earlier, Kay, this first European who was converted this first European who was baptized and this possibly first woman in leadership because of course Mary Magdalene's dismissed out of hand but in Europe I'm talking about first European female church leader um, and she's a pioneer and that's the buzzword at the minute isn't it pioneer 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 um, and yet I wonder how many folk uh, would go into a community that's very affluent and say to a woman who's very affluent and um, running her own business come on let's bring you into leadership in the church um, I just think it's a, it's a, a lesson we need to look at and, and, and learn about yeah I think actually there's still be a challenge today yeah, mm. for that to happen um, and I do actually think you know because see whenever like you know that opening of the book um um you know, Philippians, you know, the letter to the Philippians. It's so beautiful and warm. And actually, if you, you know, you can imagine actually Lydia being part of that, that yeah. part of that community. And you think, well, you know, Paul holds them in, you know, great esteem yeah. and love. And you think, would we think maybe differently about Lydia and her leadership if, if she was a man? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder why did Paul not, when he was writing his letter, say to Lydia, the chief of the church, pay attention to her. <laughs> maybe this is a maybe this is a twenty first century female thing rather than a, a first century. Um, but certainly, I don't think her pioneering spirit has been acknowledged in the way mm-hmm. Paul's has, or, or or even you know some of the other male leaders in the church, mm-hmm. ancient days. Curiously, the Episcopal Church in the USA have made her a saint, as has the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Churches. And I love that the Orthodox Church have given her the title equal to the apostles. 
So there's Mary Magdalene and Lydia, the woman who sold purple cloth, both apostles. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't yeah, it? Really, really good news. Right, final thought, girls, on Lydia before we go to a contemporary situation. Um, Anything else jumping at you? If not, that's okay. Um, I think she's got a lesson for all women today that um, we can be anything. That she's got such boldness, and that's where I want to see women coming into. I just, when I, I read this, I just see like a woman that was, that heard, heard. God in her life and moved immediately into that space with mm. courage and boldness that I think we all need to hold on to. That's mm. uh, you know, like let's let's just move regardless of wondering what anyone else is going to think of us with where we're moving into. If we know that God is asking us to do something, let's just do it. So yeah. that's that's what I, I want to hold on to from Lydia. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Thanks, Kay. Miss yeah. Laura? I would just say that I think she's a she's a great example for her brothers in Christ as well, and uh, you know, and that's the thing that whole story I think is uh, it's just so inspiring, you know, it really is, and this openness openness to wherever God's going to you know lead is for everybody. Amen. And her generosity was just it was just beautiful to observe, and and I think that. Um, if we can get back to that idea of hospitality, because is that not the incarnation? Uh -huh. Hospitality, God entrusted us with the Christ child to be hospitable and, and Christ entrusted himself to us when he was on the earth for hospitality and his own rejected him, as we know. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something beautiful about her generosity and hospitality. Mm -hmm. Okay, girls, let's move on. I was uh, thinking about some of the items in the news this week and I was horrified to read about the Lebanon, and we know they had a terrible explosion there a couple of years ago. And what with the infiltration or the influx of all the refugees from Syria, the country's really struggling economically. And one of the things that the country seems to be doing with for the women, the refugees of Syria and the Lebanese women, is they are selling their children into marriage. Um, in 2019, UNICEF did some work um, and discovered that 27% of girls between 15 and 17 years old were married. 27% of 15 to 17 year old girls were married. And now apparently this figures increased and UNICEF are wanting to do something about it. What do you think or feel when you hear these, these things? Actually, um, Linda, I studied um, child law um, this year and at university and where culturally this is something that we think is happening out there. What I learned in my time um, through that study was how much is happening here mm. and how much actually our Scottish laws are allowing it to happen here because if you stop and think about it, the child age of marriage in Scotland is 16. Mm. So like uh, we actually need to be addressing that, but we've not been good as a country of actually acknowledging that we're actually making this very easy for it to happen on our own land. And where it's like so shocking and you can see how poverty actually ends up. I mean, it's just sickening, isn't it? To think of young girls being sold for the purpose of like, you know, their families needing to unburden themselves of them. And you know, but, um, it's actually something that we need to open our eyes to here 
and it's 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 a huge huge problem um which i don't think we even scratch the surface on i've spoke to quite a lot of social workers about this now and it's it's much more common in our own land than what we're actually thinking and i'm talking girls as young as five years old yeah it's it's not it's not even just um 15 to 17 year olds and it's happening out you know in libyan it's it's happening in our own country with we girls as young as five years old that's been the youngest test case so far so yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I think that in, in the Lebanon, there's such poverty um, that they're doing, you know, they're doing this because they need help. And I wonder, I know that here it is an abomination too. I'm not suggesting for one moment that it's not. But I think that we have the, the, the capability and we can create a structure and we can create laws to challenge that. Um, but I think in, in the Lebanon, it seems that they're so poor that, that this is all they have, this is their only option. But I think it's really important that we hold this, this nation and these girls in prayer mm -hmm. uh, and see what yes. we can actually do to make a difference. So I would encourage everybody to go and read the UNICEF report. The mm -hmm. um, second thing maybe to look at is that on the news today, actually, Turkey has withdrawn from the treaty that um, bans violence against women. And their fear was that in banning violence against women, they would be seen to be um, affirming homosexuality, which is just a piece of nonsense, really. But I don't even protests, understand that. No, well, that's a, well, maybe you're a man if you beat a woman or beat your wife, you know, mm. more mannish, you know, it proves mm. your masculinity and your sexuality. But in the news today, um, it showed you a group of women all wearing purple masks and a thought of Lydia. Mm -hmm. and the colour purple, because of course Thyatara is in Turkey mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, those women I hope and pray they have the spirit of Lydia you know, they have her courage and that they get the support that they need so what's your thinking around this, Laura let's, let's have a wee word from you um, I actually don't think that um, I just don't think that we take I don't think we take violence against women seriously enough actually i don't think our laws are tough enough i don't think i think too and, I, and i'm talking about like i'm talking about in this country you know yeah. uh, and i do know people who have experienced um violence in relationships and to get any to get justice can be really very difficult and quite often it's the victims that are having to move it's the victims that are, you know, their whole life is turned upside down and the justice can take so, so long. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I, I just think, I don't think we make it, I don't think it, we make it fear um, or Another. people to get justice. And then I think within, and I think this probably links into maybe the thing with, with Lebanon and what um, Kay was saying about, um, you know, young girls being, you know, forced into marriage basically because they can't make that decision. Yeah. Um, as is, I don't think that we have the courage to challenge um some cultural practices. Yeah. You know, because to to disagree with a cultural practice doesn't mean that you're racist. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. but um, if like misogyny is misogyny. 
you know, mm. it doesn't matter what culture it's in, mm. and it's wrong. Um, and, you know, where God made us equal, men and women, um, where we have to love each other. Um, and so, you know, there's there's something there that I think, no, it's, it's just not right. And I really think that we should, um, as a nation, um, be really clamping down on countries that have these kind of laws that make it, you know, don't don't trade with them. You know, the only thing that seems to matter in this world now is, you know, money. Um, so it's like, well, make it difficult. Show that we do not, we're not a part of this. We don't agree with um, how, how you're um, treating women. I think too, in our own country, just recently in the news, there was the, the information given out that most domestic violence cases aren't followed through in terms of pro prosecution, mm -hmm. that they stop before they get to the end, before trial. And there's something about our culture that we have to challenge mm -hmm. and say so domestic violence, violence of any kind is not, is not acceptable. Um, and I think that we have got to stand up in the church in particular, because I think that violence is not just physical, it's verbal, it's emotional, it's psychological. And we, we need to be standing up and saying, no way, Jose. Mm -hmm. No way, it's not going to happen and, and not be part of that, that, that culture. And if you think of as well, how much it'll take for women who have already been abused to stand up for themselves, you know, to, to go out and, to, you know, together and to try and stand up for, for their rights. Um, you know, that takes real, real courage and, and we really should get behind them and prayer and um, Maybe we need to have more sanctuaries. I served a parish in New York and we had a huge, big, it used to be the man's big, big giant house in the grounds of the church. And we turned it into a sanctuary for uh, women who were victims of domestic violence. And maybe we not only need to stand behind them and offer them prayer and support and, and physical support in terms of accommodation, etc., but we need to stand beside them and stand in front of them to protect them as well. I think certainly this is something that the church needs to be involved with big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But shall we finish our time on a, a, a good news story? Excellent. Right. Germany, just north of Munich, a boys' choir has been singing since the year 973 or 5 thereabouts, and they would never let girls into that choir. But lo and behold, this cathedral school now has been opened for girls and women. So they'll never sing together. At this point, they're not going to sing together, the boys and the girls. But at this point, the girls are being schooled in ancient music and modern music. And I just think it's wonderful, you know, that we're, we're, the people in Germany are affirming this and the church is financing it and, and we girls are getting a chance to sing. And I believe the wee boys are called in German, I'm not sure the word, Dom Spatzen or something like that. But uh, they're being, they're, they're church sparrows. It's wonderful that now the wee girls can be church sparrows too. Thank you so much, Kay, for being our guest this week. I hope you'll come back in the, the months ahead. You've been so helpful. And I love your, your boldness and your enthusiasm. And I wish you well. We all wish you well at St. Rollocks. And we hope that you're, you're, when your probation is over, you'll be very, very fortunate in finding somewhere where you can call your parish where you can minister to God's people and share your hospitality and your love.
And we, Laura Dagen, good to see you again, Mrs. I hope your leg gets better. Might and put a bit of focus on it if nothing nothing changes. I know. I will. I'll, um, I'll need to. Um, I'll, I'll. If it. If it's. Um, if it's not down by tomorrow, I will seek. <laughs> I will seek help. Good. I'll come over with me razor blade. You want and lance it for you. <laughs> and thank you, Linda. It's been lovely to lovely to see your face, everybody. Everybody, I've seen her now. <laughs> <laughs> Our time has ended. Thank you, friends, for listening in. And please don't hesitate. If it's something you want to ask us about or challenge us on or disagree with us or affirm us, you know what? We're all we're all in this together and every day is a school day if we want it to be. So may you glimpse your worth and wonder and know that you're a beloved daughter, beloved son of the living God. We'll see you for now. Cheerio. Bye. 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 Bye.